the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. It is Tuesday the 11th, and you're tuned into Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm, serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit a new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at SuttonAndJanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Marsha is out for the day, so it's just going to be me in here for a while. So uh, in here in a little bit, we'll be speaking with Paul Espinoza. He'll be coming in, and we'll be hearing back uh, from a few uh, different interviews uh, over the past couple of days that are becoming more pertinent as the month goes on. Most uh, importantly, Brad McElhenney. We had him on the other day talking about the uh, special legislative session and the uh, just normal legislative session that's going to be going on uh, that's uh, starting this week. So we'll be replaying that here in a minute, but i got to give you a few programming notes here, as Marsha likes to say, and it uh, has to do with Shepherd basketball. Of course, uh, WPMWCST is your home for Shepherd University basketball this year, and well, some games are starting to get postponed, uh, just like most things are, especially college athletic-wise, because of sickness and weather and, you know, all the different variables that come into play once we're into this time of year. Uh, and uh, the game yesterday, the Shepherd game yesterday was postponed, uh, and so is the men's game for Wednesday. But have no fear, we will still have basketball right here on WPM and WCST with the women's basketball uh, team playing. They'll be playing at 5.30 tomorrow, so we'll be broadcasting that. And the women's team, if you haven't been keeping up with Shepherd's women's basketball, is really, really good this year. They're currently ranked uh, in the... Uh, top 25 at 25 in the D2SIDA uh, Atlantic Region poll, and uh, that's pretty good stuff. And they are fantastic. I know Abby Beeman, uh, she's always out there scoring a ton of points. There was a thousand point getter a couple uh, weeks ago. Man, so it's going to be fun. So if you uh, are looking for some basketball to listen to tomorrow, well, we'll we will be your place for it. Right here at uh, 5.15 when we will get the pregame show started again here on your home for Shepherd University basketball, WEPM and WCS team. We got women's basketball on the slate for tomorrow. But like I was saying, uh, we got a legislative session getting started here in the state. And there's a lot of money that needs to be allocated. There's a lot of you know loose ends that need to be tied up. And Brad McElhenney, Metro News statewide correspondent, Brad McElhenney joined uh, me and Marshall on Panhandle Live just a few days ago to chat about it a bit. Metro News statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. Brad, how are you doing this morning? Oh, hi. Good morning. Doing good. How are you? Good. Are you freezing? <laughs> no, I'm actually I I am in my basement and I have a dog over my right shoulder. <laughs> um, so I, I'm in I'm in great shape. Now let me ask let me ask you a question. This might he may be a not have heard personal. that, cer- that yeah. segment. And, and if this seems too personal, you don't have to ask it. But do you let your dog sleep with you in bed at night? Uh, you know, I, I was not the one who started that. It is, it is a factor in my life. Yes, that the dog does have 
In fact, not only the bed, but sometimes on my pillow right mm. by my head. So I guess it's safe to assume that you are not the biggest fan of having your dog in bed with you at night. Uh, you know, it, it's it's nice and cozy, and on on cold winter nights, there's there's sort of a fur element that's that's, that's you know, warming. So I, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm he's right. he's being right. very all diplomatic, right. yeah, but yeah, A, yeah. this was not his you know, his idea and and, and uh B, the dog is asserting his dominance every night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'll I'll take that answer. <laughs> yeah, because pillow and say, can I have some pillow? <laughs> yes. The dog looks at you and just says no. No, that'll be a no for me. It's a no for me. <laughs> So um, you're prepping up to to get ready to cover the legislative session, right? Oh man, yes, and you know it. It I, I don't know how it's going to be this year. You know, last year it was very subdued in, in the sense that there were a lot of COVID nineteen precautions. You know, everything was streaming. Uh, the, the Capitol was largely shut off to the average citizen. Even reporters like me had access, but a lot of the House meetings, for example, were in the chamber and reporters were supposed to be, if you went in the room at all, were supposed to be in the the, um, the sort of seats up above, the wooden, the wooden seats in mm-hmm. the gallery. Um, and then, you know, in, in the Senate, it was a little looser, but, um, you know, still still pretty restricted. And it doesn't sound so far like it's going to be that way this year. Although, um, you know, Omicron is, uh, I don't know how you guys are. It's it's hard for me to know how to deal with it. I I feel personally relatively confident because I am fully vaccinated and boosted. And so, you know, what what we know now, and it's early, is that it seems like that would likely result in a mild case of, of COVID, but it also seems so infectious that you're certainly likely to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I should have come on with um, with the, the local doctor you just had a few minutes ago to figure out what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, that it may be a factor in just how, how this session progresses, especially early on, um, you know, if, if there are a lot of legislators or staff or others who wind up with Omicron and it sweeps through, even if it's mild, that could really knock things off course. Mm-hmm. Do you so, think it will set the table, COVID, for a lot of the conversations? Do you think the legislature will make any moves to limit the executive uh, branch's response to COVID-19? Uh, because, uh, you know, there have been complaints about, you know, how, how much Governor Justice can establish as far as limits on people's per- personal freedoms. Also, it's a little different than in prior years because um, a lot of the municipalities are rolling in federal dollars and we're experiencing a budget surplus. So that should change the tone, too. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think those those financial decisions are are, are going to be a, a pretty big legislative focus this year. The legislature did pass a bill last year that, that made it clear that they've got the power of the purse and even when these federal dollars come down, they need some say-so. When the dollars come to the state, uh, you know, not necessarily at the local level, but that they need at least to take a look and, and to have some supervision of the allocations. So I, I think that 
that kind of allocation of, of the federal money is likely to be one of the main things they're doing this year. But in terms of the governor's powers, yeah, that, that issue really came up, particularly in the House of Delegates last year, trying to uh, limit the amount of time, for example, that a state of emergency could be in place and, and the conditions under which it could be. And those limitations on the power just didn't really get full agreement between the two bodies, between the House and the Senate. But, you know, I think the effect it did have is it, it, it's that that debate seems to have affected the way the governor is going about things. I mean, he compared to the first year of the pandemic, he has been, you know, very, very reluctant to use that sort of executive authority to declare a mass mandate mm-hmm. or to, to have a stay home order. Um, you know, even when we were in the prior surge, he, he just, you know, said, you know, not going to do those things. Uh, he, he has continued to urge people to get vaccinations, but has absolutely said that he doesn't think it's the state's authority to mandate them. So his, his policy preferences, I think, have steered pretty clear of, of legislative interference in, in how he handles things. And so I, I just don't think there's, there's – it doesn't seem to me at this point that there's clamoring for the legislature to, to rein in the governor's powers because he has taken a few steps back himself. Mm-hmm. Our guest this morning, Brad McElhenney, he is a statewide uh, correspondent for Metro News. wanted to ask you about this budget surplus. Why are we – consistently getting budget surpluses is there something wrong with the structure or are we just you know raking in that many dollars i i think it's a couple things you know the, the, the federal covid relief acted on in multiple ways i mean it was relief directly to state government and to localities and uh but also for a while to the average citizen enhanced unemployment benefits um relief to to businesses and, and some of those are not really in effect anymore but they 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 produce money that has been flowing through the state economy so so that has been one factor the other is when times were harder for state government the governor and his staff reduced the revenue estimates uh, as of a couple of years ago and and so now when things are back to being healthier, the, the monthly revenue reports look pretty good in comparison. And, and the final thing is Governor Justice and, and other state officials, the legislature, have tried to be pretty cautious with the state pocketbook. Uh, so that has resulted in uh, not only – decent revenue coming into the state, but uh, sort of a flat level of how that money is being used, uh, which again makes it look good. <laughs> and of course- one, one trick for the governor and, and state officials, the legislature, is that when times are bad, you know, you got to cut things, and that's not pleasant. Right. But when times are good and they're, they're a surplus, everybody wants a slice of the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, one question I would have is, are, are these really peculiar times, and can you bank on that money really right. being there going forward? I mean, if you if you do some expenditures that are ongoing, is that really wise, or, or should caution continue to prevail? Like across-the-board pay raises, for example, for state right. employees or bonuses? <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, and I mean, the governor has made it clear. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but he has made it clear that he would still like to do a significant income tax cut. But I, I do think, I think that is on the back burner now, likely. I mean, as a, as a matter of political uh, reality. But the, the across-the-board pay raises, which I average 5% for state employees, and, and then this bonus also, uh, yeah, that's going to be an ongoing expense. And, I mean, I, I think that, that the governor wants to do it. Obviously, legislative leaders like Senate President Blair and House Speaker Hanshaw have have support and have, have gotten the pulse of their caucuses on whether there's support within the Republican supermajority. So I, I think that is going to be front and center of this legislative session and may happen early on. I think there's broad support. But, but you know, those are going to be ongoing expenses. And then when when you've used a couple hundred million dollars for the pay raises, even if you've got surpluses, you know, that limits what else you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but it makes a huge difference for a lot of people in the state, for sure. Well, yeah, and I mean... As you know, in, in in the Panhandle and other areas, uh, the, the school systems are competing with uh, school systems in surrounding states right mm-hmm. on the border. And it's an easy decision to make for a, a teacher to cross the border to make more money. So uh, well, that's one way West Virginia would benefit from being competitive. But And teachers are front and center because of the, you know, the, the activities of the last few years, mm-hmm. flexing their political muscle. But there are other jobs like... Uh, corrections officers in the jail system uh, where they are severely underpaid and it's hard to get uh, good workers who will remain in those jobs. Um, Child protective services workers. I mean, there are some counties in the state where there are just double digit openings for Mm -hmm. child protective services workers. I mean, it's a very sad story. Uh, So increased money would at least give the state the opportunity to be competitive in those sectors, trying to keep those employees or, or recruit them that are just vital to some aspects of what the state does. So, um, you know, Brad McElhenney is with us, legislative session starting next week. There have been some years we've talked to you and you've camped out, you've had to be on premises. What are you packing snack-wise this year? What are you anticipating? <laughs> or are you thinking well, it's going to be know, moving pretty quick this year or this what, time? What, what day is today? The fifth. Mm-hmm. I, I think my my New Year's resolutions I think still hold. Um, so I'm going to try to make the snack bag a little healthier this year. Okay. Maybe some you know some some carrots and veggies, some apples, that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I've always wished. Look, in in the House of Delegates, there are there are seats up front, and you're looking out at, at delegates, which is I mean, it's it's a pretty interesting view. And then in the Senate, you're you're kind of in the back of everybody. But I have always wished that there were little, like, bicycle wheels that you could pedal <laughs> underneath the tables so that you wouldn't have these, you know, long, drawn-out experiences of uh-huh. just being sedentary. Wow. Uh, but I, I do hope to, to pack the... Uh, the healthy snacks this year. We'll talk to us on day 30 when the little yeah. Debbies come out. <laughs> <laughs> when you run out to get a hot dog real quick and a coffee. <laughs> right. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> We've been speaking with Metro News statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. Uh, well, good luck uh, down at the in the Capitol for this legislative session. I hope it's not uh, too crazy for you down there. And thanks for taking a little bit of time to talk with us this morning on Panhandle Live. 
Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. Again, that was Brad McElhenney, <clears throat> excuse me, Metro News statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney from a few days ago when he joined us on Panhandle Live to talk about the uh, legislative special session and the legislative session general that is uh, starting up down in Charleston. So uh, if you missed anything, you can always listen back to it in its entirety a little bit later on today on our Panhandle Live Facebook and Spotify pages. But coming up after the break, we'll have Paul Espinoza on. So stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Taking local stories and sharing them with the four state. This is Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. <clears throat> Brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit our new historic location, downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Marsha is out for the day. But joining me on the phone is uh, West Virginia representative out of Jefferson County, Paul Espinoza. Sir, how you doing this morning? Good morning, Jordan. Good to be with you this morning. Absolutely. I'm glad that uh, we have you on. Now, you are pretty busy right now, huh? Well, uh, of course, this legislative session is taking a little different look than our typical sessions. Uh, of course, our regular uh, 60-day session begins this Wednesday. But uh, as you and your listeners may be aware, uh, we're actually in the midst of a special session to consider legislation to facilitate what promises to be the uh, largest uh, private sector investment in West Virginia uh, in our state's history, uh, namely a $2.7 billion investment in a major industrial uh, project here in West Virginia. So the legislature, we actually just gaveled in just a few moments ago uh, for uh, day two of our special session to consider several pieces of legislation to facilitate that uh, investment. And uh, I believe we have a couple amendments that we'll be dealing with there in a few moments. I may need to slip away for a few seconds mm-hmm. during our, our interview in order to actually vote on a few of these amendments. But again, just very, very exciting. And just to give you a little sense of, we're a little limited in what we could say because right. of non-disclosure agreements, and so we're trying to respect, uh, you know, the privacy of the uh, of the investor until the appropriate time, which I anticipate probably, uh, perhaps as soon as tomorrow evening, the governor will uh, be able be in a position to actually announce the uh, the investment. But this uh, this uh, private sector investment uh, again, uh, 2.7 billion dollars estimated to create uh, somewhere in the range of 2,000 construction jobs during the two- to three-year uh, construction phase. And then once the project is complete, uh, is estimated to uh, create uh, 800 direct jobs and then an untold number of indirect jobs. Uh, some of the uh, direct jobs, we're told, uh, the average salary will be somewhere in the range of ninety dollars to $95,000. So Whoa. just really a, a tremendous project uh, for West Virginia. Now, I, I know you said you can't really go into too many specifics, but uh, why West Virginia? Is this a West Virginia, you know, private person that's, you know, wanting to kind of boost up the economy here? Or is it somebody from out of state trying to come in and, you know, start some things? Kind of what is some of the background behind it? Well, that's a great question. I did have an opportunity to meet with a couple of officials a few weeks ago. And uh, frankly, uh, I think one of the big uh, factors they looked at was the proximity to customers. So by locating this facility here in uh, West Virginia, it's going to really provide ideal uh, access to customers that they'll be serving through this uh, through this uh, project. Uh, I think it's been pretty widely reported that this is a, a high-tech steel manufacturer, and mm-hmm. so they think proximity to markets is really a big part of it. But talking with our economic development officials, uh, you know, they've, they've actually shared here over the last few months that 
uh, as a result of many of the reforms we've implemented, uh, the legal reforms, regulatory reforms, the stable tax structure of West Virginia, that just a moment. Mm-hmm. Again, we're speaking uh, with the representative out of Jefferson County, Paul Espinoza, who is currently in uh, the special session down in Charleston right now. He's getting ready to vote. So uh, we're going to give him a couple of seconds to uh, do that. Paul, if you can still hear me, just go ahead and chime in uh, whenever you're back. But pretty cool getting a little inside uh, baseball, if you will, here with the special session. There's so much going on. Of course, you heard uh, just before uh, we went to break and brought Paul Espinoza in, uh, we've replayed the Brad McElhenney, Metro News Statewide Correspondent, Brad McElhenney uh, interview where he was kind of talking about his his outside perspective on what's going to be going on uh, at the legislative session. And it's pretty interesting to hear about all that money from a private sector investor that's going to be uh, coming in here to the state to help uh, facilitate some jobs. And it sounds like the salary is going to be pretty good. Again, we're uh, talking with, yeah, you there? I did. Yeah, just one second. Yeah, no problem. Again, uh, Paul Espinosa currently in the uh, legislative, a special legislative session down in Charleston. I got some more questions to ask him, so we're going to be uh, kind of treading water here for a bit until uh, he goes because he's voting right now. And I believe, like he said, on this uh, economic development uh, private sector, you know, bill that's going to be coming through. But I got to talk to him about some budget things sure. too. I'm, I'm- yeah, sorry to have this step away. We literally just uh, voted on uh, on an amendment. We're getting ready to vote on final passage of one of the bills here today. But uh, one of the other things our economic development officials shared is just that West Virginia is starting to get some looks from some major companies. But again, it's uh, it's really an affirmation of some of the policies we've put in place in recent years. And uh, kudos too to our West Virginia economic development staff. I mean, they're really working hard, and uh, uh, they were really credited by the investor as just really um, uh, being very responsive to their inquiries. And I think that's something also that really impressed this uh, this particular investor, that uh, just the speed at which West Virginia is able to respond to, you know, the, uh, the uh, proposal that they made. And mm-hmm. so, again, I think it's just an affirmation of the positive business climate we've established here in West Virginia. And speaking with Paul Espinosa, representative out of Jefferson County, who's currently in the ledge of the special legislative session. He'll be popping in and out here because he's doing some voting or voting on a couple of these bills. Now, another one of the big things that's uh, going to be on the docket here for this legislative session is the budget surplus. There's a lot of money floating around, flying around in some different allocations. Uh, do you have any kind of, I guess, if you look into your glass ball a bit, kind of know where any of that's going to be heading and what direction? Well, uh, as far as this uh, special session that we're in, uh, part of what's being accomplished is uh, backfilling some expenditures that some of the various agencies have made uh, in order to free up dollars that can be used to assist with this project. Uh, Again, the private investor is investing $2.7 billion. All told, uh, uh, West Virginia has agreed as part of the negotiations to invest uh, approximately $315 million over a period of time in order to uh, build uh, some of the necessary infrastructure in order mm-hmm. to support this particular investment. And so some of the uh, legislation that we're actually taking up during this special session, essentially it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's backfilling some dollars that uh, some of the various agencies, like Department of Highways, for example, that they have expended here, and then... Uh, uh, by backfilling it with some of the federal dollars we receive, that frees up dollars in order to accomplish uh, the uh, 
infrastructure investment uh, necessary in order to facilitate this uh, major economic development. So uh, so that's a bit of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Again, I fully anticipate that the budget that we'll see tomorrow, or I'm sorry, um, yes, tomorrow mm-hmm. evening from the governor at his state of the state, uh, we anticipate that once again it will be a relatively flat-line budget, trying to hold the line on expenditures, mm-hmm. uh, just you know, following suit with the approach that we've taken uh, to be very, very cautious in our expenditures, uh, try to resist growing government, and uh, again, we're seeing uh, very positive uh, results of that uh, with uh, some of the surpluses we're seeing. I think it reflects the you know the very prudent approach we've been taking to uh, uh, managing West Virginia's finances. Now, I know I've, I know you're busy, so I won't keep you too much longer. But I did want to ask you, what are some of the things that uh, going on in the special session or the legislative session in general that are you know most impactful for you know Jefferson County, Berkeley, Morgan, the Panhandle area? Well, turning my attention to the regular session, which, of course, will uh, begin on Wednesday, one of the things I've really advocated for ever since I uh, was elected to the legislature back in 2012 was to try to bring some rationality to how we fund higher education. When I first uh, was appointed to the House Education Committee back in 2013, I became aware of the fact that there really wasn't a rational uh, method by which our higher education institutions like Blue Ridge and Mm -hmm. Shepherd University were funded. And as a matter of fact, they were funded probably the lowest uh, in the uh, state uh, on a per capita basis. And hmm. the more I asked questions about why that, uh, why that was the case, the more I really uh, became aware that there wasn't really a rational method by which our institutions were being funded. So I, I've, I've been a long advocate uh, as, uh, as House Education Chair, as a member of the Governor's Blue Ribbon Commission on Higher Education, really pushed for establishing a performance-based funding model so that, again, we bring transparency and rationality to how we fund our institutions and so that our institutions know what are the things they need to do in order to, you know, secure additional funding. So very optimistic uh, with the work that the higher education institutions have have undertaken themselves, as well as the Higher Education Policy Commission, uh, do anticipate uh, having a performance-based funding model that we'll be able to consider this session to, uh, again, just bring transparency uh, to that process so that, you know, uh, folks that follow in our footsteps won't be in a similar situation and not really be able to understand how our institutions are being funded and and to be assured that there is a fair, transparent method uh, to that process. Again, speaking with Jefferson County Representative Paul Espinoza, uh, one last thing, uh, real quick, is any other big, you know, big ticket items on your docket that you want to try and get taken care of here this week? Well, I'm certainly uh, going to be continuing to advocate for uh, trying to bring, uh, you know, some clarity to our licensing requirements in West Virginia. West Virginia still, uh, unfortunately, has the lowest workforce participation rate in the country. We mm-hmm. were starting to make some, some positive gains there before the pandemic, and then we kind of slid back a little bit. But uh, simply put, just want to make sure that anyone that's willing to enter the workforce, you know, that, that we allow them to do so, and they don't have a lot of barriers to entry. And so was very pleased to introduce uh, legislation that uh, was enacted last session to, again, uh, just try to bring some common sense to our licensure requirements. And uh, we'll be introducing some additional legislation this uh, session to Again, just lower those barriers to entry so that folks that want to work in West Virginia have an opportunity to do so in a manner similar to our surrounding states uh, so that, you know, again, they're, they're not forced with very difficult uh, requirements in order to, uh, uh, you know, enter the workforce. 
Again, speaking with Jefferson County Representative Paul Espinoza, who uh, is a very busy man right now. I mean, he's talking to us while he's in the special session. So I appreciate you taking some time. And can you let everybody know how they can get in touch with you, maybe if they have any questions or want to let you know about anything? Well, certainly, uh, we'll just remind folks that the Capitol will be open. So if you uh, do have the opportunity to come down to Charleston, certainly reach out to myself or any of the local legislators. Uh, not not hard to find. Uh, uh, you know, in uh, on, on our web- legislative website, you'll find phone numbers for all of us and uh, would love to uh, have visitors from the Panhandle. But if there is particular legislation that you're interested in, certainly reach out. Uh, Paul.Espinosa at WVHouse.gov is my email address. And certainly would welcome your input on legislation we'll be taking up during the next 60 days. And Jefferson County Representative Paul Espinoza, thanks for taking time out of your day to chat with me here on Panhandle Live, and good luck here in this uh, special session and the normal legislative session. Thank you, Jordan. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Again, that was Jefferson County Representative Paul Espinoza currently in the special session. Uh, there for a bit, he had to pop out because he had to go vote on one of the bills. And apparently there's a big, huge economic development situation uh, starting to present itself. And uh, as Paul said, we might be hearing the official news on it as early as tomorrow uh, with uh, Governor Justice's State of the State address. So make sure you're sticking around uh, or keeping an ear out for that one. And of course, uh, keep your eye over at PanhandleNewsNetwork.com. I'm sure Marshall will have a big uh, write-up on that once that becomes available. But, uh, yeah, so if you missed any of that conversation with Paul Spinoza, again, Jefferson County Representative Paul Spinoza, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today. But we've got to go catch a next break, and then we'll have Parker Stone in, the uh, voice of Berkeley Springs Indians basketball. we got a game tonight that's going to be over on 92.9 to be XDC, so we'll uh, get a little preview on that. And uh, who knows what else me and Parker are going to talk about. So that's all coming up here on uh, Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. From Pawpaw to Harper's Ferry, from Martinsburg to Winchester, it's Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation, they provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit a new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at SuttonandChanel.com. I'm Jordan Icewarner. Marsha is out for the day, but if you missed it for the break, we had Jefferson County Representative Paul Espinoza on, who is currently in the legislative special session down in Charleston. I mean, he was like having to jump out of the interview to go vote. So uh, definitely taking some time out of his very busy schedule to chat with us. And there was a lot of important things to talk about, like the big economic development uh, thing that's going to be uh, proposed and hopefully, you know, voted on, approved, and then spoken about by the governor tomorrow in his State of the State address. So make sure you keep an ear out for that. Uh, But if you missed that whole conversation, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today. But joining me in studio now is the voice of uh, Berkeley Springs Indians basketball. And you've also heard him here on WEPM a good bit because he's uh, with me during Shepherd basketball games. It's Parker Stone. Parker, how you doing today? What's going on, Jordan? How you doing, man? Oof, hanging in there, hanging in there. Wish it was a little bit colder, or colder. (laughs) Wish it was a little bit warmer outside. Yeah, I feel you there. Yeah, there, I was just looking at something actually about there was like an article for like the top five beaches in <laughs> like there's some like beach experts, something like that. He had South Beach number one and then they had a Clearwater Beach I actually been to Clearwater it was really nice when I went down there. I'll tell you what, that would be the perfect place to be. I was just talking with a buddy last night. Uh, this is the normally the time of year where uh, when we were back in school playing uh, baseball, we'd be getting ready to head down to Florida for or like down south. For a week or so to you know get into the start of the season, get into some warmer weather, and it was always so nice to just know that you were getting ready to go to the beach, getting ready to go to warm weather while everybody else was up here, you know, struggling through the cold. So 
kind of wish I could go back in time. What they say, you don't know. I wish you knew you were in the good old days when the good old days were happening or something like that. Yeah, it's something around the lines of that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But anyways, uh, we have high school basketball getting back up and moving tonight over on 92.9 WXDC. Again, it's Berkeley Springs uh, basketball. So uh, let us into a little bit of it. Yes. What's going on? Yeah, so the uh, Indians basketball team has been on a heck of a roll to start the year, honestly. They've gone like four or five they won the tri-state shootout mm-hmm. recently they had that they've been doing good their only loss this season was game one against Sharando. right and they've been rolling they've beat east hardy they they beat uh hancock pretty good when yeah we, when we were down there north marion and that's beat. a sneaky little rivalry game there i guess more of a geological rival or geographical uh rivalry game yeah, for sure. Hancock. Yeah, that was a big win there, and it was it was an ugly score. I'll say that. But well, it was, I'm looking at it, 51 35. So that's a pretty good win there for the for the tribe. Oh yeah, they've been they've been rolling so far this year. Gavin Barkley's been leading score overall. He's been having a really good year. He actually scored his thousandth point in game two of the of the season. So Heck that was, of a football player too. If you've tuned into if you tuned into any Berkeley Springs football this past year. Yeah, he's a he's a heck of an athlete. I'll say that. Get, Gavin's been doing really good. Uh, Tamir Ross, he's been doing well. He was a little banged up coming into the start mm-hmm. of the season, and then he's been getting back into it a little bit too. And uh, a little name to look forward later on to the season, sophomore Dakota Hamrick. He's their tallest player right now. He's 6'4", 170. Ooh. Big, big sophomore, yeah. he. Soph- had, you say he's a sophomore? Sophomore. 6'4", six, six, 170 sophomore. Man, I wish. He, I wish. He's been doing really good. He's uh, The last game we had them against Hancock, he played really good with some of the veteran guys out. They actually had a little bit of a stomach bug, I believe mm. is what it was, going around. Mm-hmm. They only had like seven available players against Hancock. It's yeah. when the last time we had them before the break. And yeah, it's they look like a really good team overall. The Sean Lord's another guy that you need to look out for. He's been kind of like their glue guy, kind of their big defender. Ty was on the football field too. Yeah, mm-hmm. F- floor general out there leading the offense, and Gavin's putting up the shots, scoring what how he needs to. And then yeah, the other guys have their places. The mm-hmm. bench guys do really well, and it yeah, they're an exciting team. Coach Brennaker's really got them looking good so far, and I'm excited to see how far they're going to go. Through. And you got a game tonight, right? Yes, they're playing Hampshire tonight, starting at 7:30. We're going to have have the varsity we'll go live probably like 7 10 7 15 with a pregame it'll be me and dylan bishop we'll carry that pregame for you get you through the game and preview the next game we got which would be friday i believe absolutely again that's all over on our sister station 92.9 wxdc but you also joined me for shepherd games and unfortunately the last couple of shepherd games men's games have been uh, postponed but uh, we still don't know and if you've tuned in here of course your home for shepherd uh, university basketball is right here on wpm and wcst uh, I hope that this is giving DMC, Dan McClain Corley, some time to hopefully, I still haven't heard why he's been out, but hopefully we'll just say get healthy so we can get him back out on the court because he has been greatly missed for the Shepherd men's team. Yeah, absolutely. DMC is definitely, from what I've seen, the best all-around player on the Shepherd Rams team. He's he's a guy who, he kind of like is the piece that makes this offense go mm-hmm. for the Rams team. He got... You got another, you got the great guys who've been stepping up too. Kyle Daggett's been stepping up big. Aiden Hewley's been stepping up big when DMC's been gone. Mm-hmm. You got you got other guys on top of that, and then you've it's just they're really missed DMC. If you, and we've talked about this too, Jordan. If DMC is in at least a couple of these games, Shepard's been Shepard's been on like a five game losing streak right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. If DMC's in at least two, maybe even more of these games, I feel like Shepard wins them. That's that's the hardest. That's the hard thing to look at. Like if you got a guy like DMC in there. This this season could look a whole lot different. Yeah. I mean, he was averaging, I think, around 10 points. Maybe it was 15 points per game until uh, he went out. And, I mean, like you said, we have him last week or on January 5th against Millersville. They only lost by four. 
I think you add his 10 points on there, we'd probably come back and win that one. Seton Hill, uh, they lost by 10, 59-69. You put his 10 points in there, maybe get some other guys up. Things keep moving along. And then uh, all the way through the last couple of losses they've had, it's been so tight. I mean, Pitt-Johnstown lost by one. Virginia Union lost by two. I mean, you need you have that extra guy in there, probably takes you over the top. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. I think Johnstown was the last game he played in. Mm-hmm. And then that's, oh, yes, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Johnstown was the last game he was in. And then after that, we haven't seen DMC since. He was out again. He was out on Saturday against IUP, which that was a really interesting game too, because they were, IUP's top score. He's actually been the top score in the PSAC this mm-hmm. season. He's averaged about twenty five a game, I think, and he was out too. And then he's just been out. Yeah, DMC's been out ever since the Pitt Johnstown game. No idea why. We we don't have the intel on that right hmm. now, but. I'm I'm hoping it's injury wise. I'm hoping it's not any other reasons. Right. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But yeah, hopefully he's healing up right now, getting over what's going on with him, and hopefully we see him back out on the floor here soon. We're we're really missing seeing DMC out there. Not not only is he really big on this Rams team, he's just a fun player to watch. Absolutely, he does it all on both sides of the uh, both sides of the ball. That's for sure. But we will be broadcasting Shepherd Rams women's basketball tomorrow. That game uh, tips off at five thirty. We'll be going on the uh, me and Parker Stone will be going on the pregame show. Around 5.15, and we've only been able, well, we've been able to catch a fair amount of uh, the women's team's game. They're now ranked 25th in the nation. They are killing it right now. I mean, Abby Beeman uh, and Marley McLaughlin, Sydney Clayton. I mean, you look at uh, some of their point totals, their averages. I mean, goodness, it's incredible some of the things they're doing. Like Abby Beeman, 19 points a game. Marley McLaughlin, 18.5 points a game. Uh, Sydney Clayton, 17 points a game. I mean, I'm pretty excited to be able to call this uh, women's game tomorrow. Yeah, I know. We've we've talked about it a little bit too, getting to call the women's game at some point. I'm really excited to call them. They've been they've looked really good so far. They the latest poll came out. They're mm-hmm. they're number three in I think DSD two S I D A or mm-hmm. whatever it's called. Number one right now is Glenville State out of the MEC. They're twelve mm-hmm. they're twelve and zero right now. They had a really really big win over Wheeling. I think it was a couple of days ago they won against Wheeling, but yeah. and then they got Gannon in front of them right now. But yeah, the Shepherd Women's team's been looking really good right yeah. now. They've been rolling. They, they ten and one on the year, four and one in the conference. I mean, they're playing pretty well. Yeah, pretty well. Yeah, it's been really good to see them so far. I, honestly, we've talked about this too. I think they could go a good amount of ways in this national tournament if they get that far. It, they're looking good. They're looking really good. And if they're twenty fifth in the nation, <laughs> may, may not even matter if they win the PSAC. They'll they'll get in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Again, uh, you'll be able to hear the Shepherd Women's or Shepherd Rams Women's team uh, in their game tomorrow, right here on WPM and WCST. Tip off is at five thirty. It's at home, so uh, if you can make it out to uh, the Butcher Center, come on out and support these ladies. But if you can, you can tune in. Right here, tip off at five thirty. Pre-game show is at five fifteen. Now we got to get to our last break. But Parker, thanks for hanging out with me a little bit, talking a little basketball. Always love it. And uh, tell people again where they'll be able to catch the Berkeley Springs game tonight. Yeah, you can catch a uh, Berkeley Springs high school basketball tonight at seven thirty. We'll be live with pregame about seven fifteen. It'll be myself and Dylan Bishop on our sister station ninety two point nine WXDC. You can also catch me at ten to three on ninety two point nine WXDC with the kickback with Parker Stone. You can hear me all there. We're going to talk about some interesting topics we got your sports update for you everything you need during your work day you can catch me over on 92.9 wxdc 10 to 3 every single day look at that didn't even have to tell him to plug his own show and he does it by himself he's a vet already but again that's parker stone the voice of berkeley springs indians basketball and you also hear him uh, with me during uh, shepherd basketball so thanks for stopping in parker stick around uh, we got one last break to get to and we'll be back here on panhandle live on wpm and wcst the panhandle news network live and local it's panhandle live with hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. 
Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm. Serving us Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. Family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit our new historic location at downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at SuttonandJanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Marsha is out for the day, but if you missed it for the break, we have Parker Stone on, the voice of of Berkeley Springs Indians basketball to talk about their matchup tonight, which you can catch over on 92.9 at WXDC. So if you missed any of that, listen back to it a little bit later on today. But speaking of sports, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's dragging a little bit today after staying up all night to watch the national championship game between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Georgia Bulldogs. Spoiler alert, the Bulldogs won 33-18. to And my goodness, what a football game that was. It was back and forth, back and forth. You didn't know. Well, to be honest, the first half was pretty darn boring. I mean, three points in the first quarter, uh, just uh, field goals for everybody in the second quarter. And then things started to pick up a bit there in the second half. But it was a uh, good national championship nonetheless. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. I'm glad that Alabama didn't win because I'm tired of Alabama winning everything when it comes to football. But it's a huge win for Georgia, not only because it is the national championship game. It's the first time they've won the national title in football in 41 years. So that's a pretty big deal uh, there in and of itself. Uh, again, that final score was 33-18 to at the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide fell to the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, pretty good game. Pretty good game. And uh, some of the memes that are coming out about, uh, and I can't think of his name, the mascot for the Bulldog or for the Georgia Bulldogs, the actual bulldog itself not like the guy that's in the costume the actual dog well he is all over the internet right now because they put him on camera a couple of times but one time in particular and the dog was just sitting in his cage door open he was able to move about as he wanted but he was sitting there sound asleep while he was sitting up and the whole internet loved it and a lot of people were saying that that was catalyst for georgia to win that game i don't know if you uh, want to make that connection you sure can but Another one of the big storylines coming out of that is the Georgia quarterback, Stetson Bennett, was a walk-on at one point. Well, he started with the Bulldogs as a walk-on. Went to junior college. He apparently told his dad when he was like six years old that he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs and is going to win a national championship. And then all these years later, after the bumpy road, going to junior college, not getting any looks from Georgia, then Georgia saying we don't, they didn't want him. And then all of a sudden saying, yeah, we'll take you, but just as a walk-on. And then he works his way all the way up to being the starter and then goes ahead uh, and beats the uh, Crimson Tide of all teams in the national championship game to give Georgia their first national championship since, uh, what, in 41 years. So pretty cool. I love that kind of stuff. Always love those kind of uh, sports stories. It always makes it just a little bit more interesting, you know, and seeing his reaction on the sideline after uh, Georgia had that pick six there towards the end of the game that really sealed things in the fourth quarter. Was pretty awesome. He started balling there on the sidelines, and Coach Kirby Smart was coming up and hugging him again. Kirby Smart uh, was a quarterback for Georgia back in his college days. So, so many cool storylines that are coming out uh, from that game. That is for sure. But uh, you know what? I think that just about does it for me today here on Panhandle Live. If you missed any of it. We listened back to our uh, interview a few days ago with Metro News statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney, given his kind of newsy perspective on the special session, legislative session, and the legislative session on its own, which is uh, the special legislation's happen now, and then uh, the whole thing is going on Wednesday. And then we have Paul Espinoza, representative of Jefferson County, on to give the inside look on what's going on down in Charleston. Then we have Parker Stone on talking about Berkeley Springs basketball and Shepherd basketball, all kinds of stuff. So if you missed it, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today. But like I said, that does it for me. I'm Jordan Icewarner. It's been Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow.
WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.